Uh, this week, Trisha and I have been watching our son's dog while he's been out of town. The dog's name is Joey, uh, and he's an easy dog to have around. I mean, you know, you tell him to you know, do things or sit or do whatever. He, he, he minds pretty well. Uh, but I want to tell you this about Joey. He is not a cuddler. You know how some dogs, they like to snuggle? Joey's not like that. I mean, usually you can't even pet him for more than a minute, and then he runs off and says, that's enough of that, you know? Um, so he's definitely not a lap dog. I mean, he's 50 pounds of lean, lanky energy. Well, Friday night, Trisha and I were watching a movie at home, and at one point, Joey did this thing where he kept his, his, his back feet on the, on the floor, but then he sort of crawled up on me with, so his body was on my lap. And, uh, and we were so surprised, Trish took a picture of it and sent it to our son. Here it is. And, uh, and then after a bit, Joey kind of turned and put his head so it was right between Trisha and me so he could be near both of us and pet him and all. And he stayed there for half an hour until the movie was over. We finally were the ones who got up, you know, so we can't do this anymore. So anyway, I share that story because it speaks to me a little bit about the Psalms and our attitude in them. Um, especially the one that we're going to be looking at today. Uh, one reason I think that we love our pets is that they are not rational creatures, right? I mean, you don't give them a list of reasons that they should not pee on the carpet, right? You don't do that. Um, and uh, they are instinctual. Um, and with dogs especially, they are emotional and social. And we relate to them on that level. And what if... We related God to God more on that kind of level. Today we're going to continue our series, Honest to God, based on the uh, prayers and poetry from the book of Psalms. And, and if, you know, if, we, if, we start, if we read the Psalms like a newspaper, then it's not going to mean very much to us. You know, the real impact of it is just going to go right over our heads. Uh, because the Psalms um, are the cry of the heart, not the head. The Psalms are spoken in the language of intimacy, not information. Um, what I'd like you to do now is I want you to imagine yourself as a toddler, maybe two or three years old, okay? Rem kind of imagine, maybe you can't remember back that far, but imagine yourself as the little squirt that you used to be. And now imagine that you're running and you fall and you skin your knee really bad and it's bleeding and it's hurting. And so, you know, you go limping to one of your parents and you crawl up in their lap seeking comfort and hoping that they can make it all better. I think a lot of the Psalms are like that. Um, they invite us to come to God when we are scared and hurting and seeking comfort and wanting to hear that it's going to be okay. You know, if you glance around the perimeter of the room here, you'll see um, that we have several psalms displayed here. And uh, uh, they are for you to go visit. Maybe after worship here or some Sunday you want to come early or even come during the week. And... Um, and I hope that you will stay long enough to not just scan through the content, but to enter into the emotion of the Psalms. 
Hear the cry of the heart. You know, I think we, we humans like to think that we're rational beings, don't we? But we humans, I think, are more emotional than rational. We're both. But I think that we lean more to the emotional side. And so, um, and, and all those emotions are represented in the psalm. Every human emotion you, can, you would ever have, you'll find in the psalms. So I, I, I share this with us as sort of a, a focus for today, and I want just, uh, us to all read it together. Let's put it up on the screen. You ready? Let's say it. God isn't looking for sanitized prayers with perfect language. God invites us to cry out to him with prayers as real and raw as life itself. Um, last spring, I learned that John Ratonia was no longer able to work because of his health, a person in our church, and he had been put on the heart transplant list, waiting for a heart. And I said, well, John, would you like to, to start coming to my group? He goes, yeah. He'd never been in anything like this before. And I remember the first time that John prayed out loud in our group. And, and I could tell he felt awkward, you know, but he was going to do this. <laughs> and uh, he, I found out later that he told his, his wife, Jen, after the group session that, that he prayed out loud. He said, I probably sounded like a doofus. <laughs> but I thought it was beautiful. Um, almost like a child's prayer. So, so real. So honest with God. Well, John did receive the heart transplant, but uh, in the months that followed, his health continued to deteriorate, and we held his funeral here in October. Um, I remember one time, though, in the hospital, about a, a few weeks before that, hearing John pray as honest and a desperate of a prayer as I have ever heard in my life. And I know God was listening to that prayer. Let's open our Bibles to Psalm 3. If you're using the Pew Bible, you'll see it on page 537. And if you need a Bible to read at home, start reading it by yourself at home. Let's get you one today, okay? Uh, if you head after worship to the, in, across the other side of the foyer to the Connection Center, uh, you'll see that little display of free Bibles. So you can get one. And when you find Psalm 3, look at the superscript above verse 1. It says, A Psalm of David... When he fled from his son Absalom. Uh, by the way, about half of the Psalms in, uh, have referenced King David in the superscript. And we can be certain that, that David wrote many of them. Uh, we know that he was a musician. Uh, it's also likely that some of the Psalms with his name attached were written for him. That's certainly one way this could be interpreted. Or about him. But I suspect that this one was written by David. Now, you can read in 2 Samuel about when David fled his son Absalom. Prince Absalom, what a guy. I mean, tall, dark, and handsome. Popular with the people. For four years, he set out to win the hearts of the people, and he did. He developed quite a loyal following. And when the time was right, he staged a coup. His, king, his father, King David, and the rest of the royal family were forced to evacuate Jerusalem along with all the soldiers who were loyal to David. Uh, and Absalom sent 12,000 of his soldiers 
to hunt his father down. I can imagine David camped out in a cave that night, quietly strumming his harp, composing this song. Follow along with me, verses 1 and 2. Lord, how many are my foes! How many rise up against me! Many are saying of me, God will not deliver him. And the recurring word here is many. Many foes, many rise up, many are saying. David is surrounded by many people who want to take his life. You know, one of the great things about the Psalms is that we are free to insert our own situations into them. So maybe instead of foes, you would say, well, you have many problems. Or you're dealing with lots of stress. Or you're, you're uh, facing inner voices that you're dealing with telling you that you're worthless or that you're a failure or that you have no future. Those are your foes. And sometimes it, you have, we have days when we feel like they're just ganging up on us. I would like to invite Maria. Maria Campana to come on up here. Um, Maria has been coming to Faith Westwood now about eight years. You uh, will often see her singing here with the band. And uh, Maria. Good morning. Good, yeah. Let's see if I don't fall off. There we go. There we go. Um, I, you know, Maria, I've, I've learned a little bit that you, the Psalms have been very important to you, but tell us a little bit about your story. Okay, um, first of all, you know, I, I do lead worship here uh, many times, and, you know, people have no idea. And we have no idea by looking at any individual what their insides feel like. But I have been experiencing chronic pain for almost 20 years now, which is chronic pain is daily pain. It doesn't leave you, it's your friend. And um, the Bible has always been important to me, but the Psalms have touched me. And that's where I run to uh, when I'm in my deep pain or, or all the time, even when I'm, it's so applicable to anything that you, it's the best prayer book you could find because it touches on everything. But um, how, how did the pain begin for you? Well, I, about 20 years ago, I lifted a student very far and uh, a hernia. you were a teacher, right? Yeah, I was a para in a special okay, ed classroom, yeah. yeah. And it started a herniated disc, which that went chronic. Uh, after six weeks, it goes chronic, and then I have a, a degeneration uh, in my spine. And that went to fibromyalgia, which mm. is everything in your body, and yeah. then uh, spinal stenosis, which uh, the canals kind of close off onto your nerves. So I have a lot of nerve pain. And then um, another little friend joined the group called arthritis. So I have a few things going on uh, in my body yeah, every this day. Is this is head to toe pain now. Head to toe right? pain, yes, migraines too. So, but um, mm. you know, uh, it's something that you deal with. But I, you know, some days have been so bad, and and some of you probably know. Some people have probably pain like I do, or some people don't want to talk about it, or some people are sick of hearing about it. But um, some days are so bad you don't want to open your eyes, you don't want to talk, you can't pray, and. Of course, the Holy Spirit will intercede for you. You can't sing, listen to music, or anything. But there's a hope, and the thing that I hold on to that gets me through is that, and first of all, it's not something you've done. You haven't uh, mm -hmm. sinned. You haven't uh, not prayed enough, 
some people say, well, you just got to pray more. You need to be healed. Yeah, healing does happen to some people. It still happens, but um, so uh, in the midst of that, I, I hold on to the fact that because we know sin is in the world after the fall, and it says in Psalms, I think it's 34, that the righteous have issues, but the Lord will rescue us. I hold on to the promise, thank the Lord, of the day of walking pain-free. So that's what I look forward to, and I know that, yeah, you just, we aren't all going to be without, you and know. The, and the day of endure. that is maybe in the next life right. that when you're pain-free, right? Right. You know, some people live with pain. Maybe they, maybe it stops. Some people might have it their whole life, but, you know, it's like we were singing this morning, it is well with my soul. So I have uh, the inner peace of Christ. The Psalms are a great resource to help you. Uh, one that I go to is Psalms 40, which says, uh, I, w I waited patiently for the Lord to help me, and he turned to me and heard my cry. He lifted me out of the pit of despair and of the mud and mire, and he set my feet on solid ground and steadied me as I walked along. He has given me a new song to sing, a hymn of praise to our God. So there will be a day when you can sing. Don't give up hope, and mm. you just got to keep on going. And, you know, it's just the way life is. I know after you shared the first service, some people came up to you and talked. What would you say to people here about that? Yes, I had people, a young boy who was born with pain. We all have different things. Everybody's not the same. I would say that it's important that you find people, someone else that has the suffering, because you can connect and it gives you strength. I like to connect with people, even though when I'm really bad, it helps me if I help others. And if I can give them hope, it helps me. But talk to somebody, come to me. I, I love to talk to people. You know, I would love for a group of us to meet, to strengthen one another, whether it's together or however. But it's important to, um, and don't give up hope, you know, there's going to be a new tomorrow, but uh, it's important, yeah, to kind of group together for strength. But yeah. you got to have the Lord's strength, first of all. Yeah. Maria, thank you you're for welcome. sharing so much. You know, I think we look at you up here and we think, hey, you're doing great. Your life is fine. We have no idea the, you know, the, the things that a per, any person deals with uh, from day to day. So, yeah, that's true. Thank you very thank much. Thank you. <clears throat> you know, uh, for some people, when, when we cry, when they cry out, Lord, how many are my foes? For some people, that's a metaphor. And maybe for, for Maria, pain is a metaphor for pain. But for some people, it's not a metaphor. It is reality. Um, a little over a year ago, uh, I shared with, this, uh, with all of you about this church in, in Chengdu, China, that was a subject of a crackdown by the Chinese government. It's called the Early Rain Covenant Church, and their pastor's name is Wang Yi. Uh, well, I've learned some more recent news that four weeks ago, on December 30th, Wang Yi was sentenced to nine years in prison. He was convicted of conducting illegal business, and what that business was was simply writing books that he sold to his church at no profit. Uh, here's a picture of Wang Yi and his wife, Jiang Yong, Jiang Rong, and uh, Interestingly, the State Department has even responded to their, to their matter. So the U.S. State Department issued a, st a statement, We are alarmed that Pastor Wang Yi was tried in secret 
and sentenced to nine years in prison in connection to his peaceful advocacy for religious freedom. Well, Wang Yi was not surprised by his conviction or the sentence that they gave him uh, because he was bold. He was bold in speaking out. He, he spoke against President Xi's dictatorial rule. Uh, he and his church held annual prayer services to mark the anniversary of the 1989 Tiananmen Square massacre. I mean, you put yourself at risk when you do those things, right? But they did them. Um, and so I can imagine Wong Yi uh, praying Psalm 3 literally, how many are my foes? How many rise up against me? Many are saying of me, God will not deliver him. On New Year's Day, uh, just a couple days after his sentencing, a hundred believers gathered in Hong Kong outside a Chinese Methodist church and they prayed for Pastor Wong Yi and his church. It happened to be the same day as the protest in, in Hong Kong that attracted a million people. And if you remember that in the news, this band of 100 prayers could smell the tear gas and hear the sirens from the site of the protest. But instead of protesting, they were praying for their sisters and brothers on the mainland. Verses 1 and 2 uh, are about the many foes, and then verse 3 interrupts. But, but you, Lord, are a shield around me. David is surrounded by enemies trying to hunt him down, but between him and his enemies stands the Lord. The Lord is his shield, protecting him from all sides. And the Lord is Pastor Wong Yi's shield, protecting him from all sides. Before he was arrested, uh, he had already prepared a statement which his church then published. He Part of it says this. He says, separate me from my wife and children, ruin my reputation, destroy my life and my family. The authorities are capable of doing all these things. However, no one in this world can force me to renounce my faith. No one can make me change my life. But you, Lord, are a shield around me, my glory the one who lifts my head high. And from this picture that you see, I see two people whose heads are lifted high with courage and hope, not cast down in shame and defeat. Verse 4 says, I call out to the Lord. And that's what makes Psalm 3 a psalm of lament. Now, lament is the most frequent kind of psalm in the Bible. Uh, a lament is simply a cry for help, kind of a complaint. It's, a, it's desperation directed toward God. I call out to the Lord, and what? He answers me from his holy mountain. Now, why does it say from his holy mountain? We might think it should say he answers me from heaven. Well, it, Back in David's day, the, the temple was still a tent called the tabernacle, and it was situated on this broad peak at Jerusalem called Mount Zion. And, and the temple, or this tabernacle, was seen as the, the place on earth that overlaps with heaven. It was the focus of the presence of God on earth. 
So praying to God, to his holy mountain, it's kind of similar that I think to when we pray in Jesus' name. Okay? Lord, look at my problems. Look at all the people who say to me, God isn't going to help you. But I'm calling on you, Lord. You are my shield. You know, I was thinking about David's situation. I mean, thousands of soldiers uh, were trying to hunt me down. I'm not so sure I would sleep well that night. Do you? But amazingly, David did find himself able to float off to sleep. And he's even more surprised the next morning that he woke up. They didn't find him and kill him. You know, thank you, Lord. Verse 5 has often been used as a, as a morning prayer. And, let, and we can add verse 6 to it. David says, I lie down and sleep. I wake again because the Lord sustains me. I will not fear though tens of thousands assail me on every side. And then in verse 7, David cries out to God. This is the real heart cry of this psalm. Uh, and I want you to, let's read those, those first two really short sentences. It's only six words. Those first two lines out loud together. Okay? Arise, Lord, deliver me, my God. You know, in verse 1, who was rising up? It was his foes. Now he asked God to rise up to save him. In verse 2, it says that his foes would say, well, God will never deliver you. Now he cries out to God to prove them wrong by, and by deliver him to come to his rescue. My friend uh, Jim Lightbody uh, died uh, almost two years ago at age six, 86. Uh, I got to know Jim when I was in college. Um, he, somehow he got my name and invited me to go to a national leadership conference, and, which I did. And, and, and Jim, he had a big influence on my life, especially during the, that period. Um, anyway, midway through adulthood, Jim was diagnosed with MS. And at first, I know he had a hard time accepting his diagnosis. He didn't want to believe it. And I watched as he... Uh, started using a cane and then had to move to a walker and then to a wheelchair. Um, but, but, the, but his physical weakness did not define his life. Uh, just as, as the same with Pastor Wong Yi, that, that prison does not define his life. Jim's life was defined by his love for Jesus and his great love for people. And then, in the next part of verse 7, we see just how real and raw we can be with God in our prayers. It says, strike my enemies on the jaw. Break the teeth of the wicked. David's praying that God will silence their taunting tongues. This is not a nice prayer. But it's an honest one. And there's something to be said for that. Bust him in the mouth, God. Do you ever feel that way? And even if it's a little misguided, I think God is wise enough to sort it out, right? I mean, the Psalms were written before Jesus, and, and, and Jesus told us to love our enemies and to pray for our persecutors. So in that sense, you could call it a, a pre-Christian prayer. But here's what I like about it. 
it puts justice in God's hands. You know, if there's any vengeance going to come upon, upon these people who are attacking you, well, that vengeance is going to have to come from God, not us. God's going to have to deal with it. Psalm 3 is a very personal, individual psalm. And then David broadens the scope to all of us here at the end. Verse 8, from the Lord comes deliverance. May your blessing be on your people. And that's what we pray for, isn't it? Deliverance and blessing. Deliverance and blessing. We cry out to God in our troubles, help! And we follow God's ways, we trust God's ways, so that we can receive and live this life of blessing. Do you find yourself crying out to God in times of trouble? Do you believe that God is bigger than your troubles. The Jewish author Isaac Boshevis Singer said, I only pray when I'm in trouble, but I'm in trouble all the time. <laughs> we said this before, let's say it again, shall we? God isn't looking for sanitized prayers with perfect language. God invites us to cry out to him with prayers as real and raw as life itself. Let's, let's pray. And as we do, I'm going to guide you through the first part of this. Ask yourself what foe you are currently facing. What trouble, what problem, what situation. Ask God to show it to you. And I'm going to give you just a little bit here to come up with what that is. And now I'm going to ask you to do something bold. I'm going to invite you to name it out loud now. You, using the same voice you would just use in normal conversation. But name it. Use your voice and speak it. And while we do that, we're going to be hearing voices from all over the worship center at the same time. Name your foe. I sense that some of you may still be gathering your courage. So let me give you just a little more time just to name your foe.
Now I invite you to repeat after me. How many are my foes? But you, Lord, are a shield around me. The one who lifts my head high. Arise, Lord. Deliver me, my God. Strike my enemies on the jaw. May your blessing be on your people. And Lord, we also want to pray for Pastor Wong Yi and his wife, Jiang Rong, and the people of the Early Rain Covenant Church. Lord, that this time of persecution, um, that you would guard and protect them, be their shield around them. And Lord, we pray that this persecution would somehow result in, in more people having the courage to speak up. That the people of the church and other churches would find the, the boldness that they would model after this, this pastor and uh, that they would also find themselves having the courage to, to face the persecution that uh, he has faced. And so, Lord, we pray that you will give them uh, the wisdom, the boldness that they need and also for all of us here that we may call upon your name in times of trouble and know that you are with us and we pray in Jesus name and all God's people said amen, amen.